Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Gaming to be as big as it can be in the world, not a question. Mm. My, here's my fundamental issue needs to get sold when it... What's going on guys and welcome back to Watch Time as today we're in a slightly different place, a different setup. It's my setup, which is <laughs> no longer in the click office because obviously we moved out of there sad. for now. I know, very sad for the new place yesterday and uh, there's some, some, some very cool places that we're looking at. And I'm very excited to move into a place new. It's kind of like when you reshuffle your room. I think we said this yeah, example you get, last like, week. Renewed you just get renewed energy. And I was I was inspecting the office. I was like, oh, yep, pool table can go go there. <laughs> so I'm ticking off all the important boxes. Oh, when it, I love that Elliot's like focus on the new office is like where the pool table and the pinball machine is going to go, and yep. not like oh, here's where we're going to put desks Irrelevant. for people to actually work. Where do they play pool at lunchtime? Sad though, and it was so funny because we were moving out of the office and Elliot's office in there, like previously had like blackened curtains, there was like carpets in there. It was like all very dark as like a good recording setup, but it was like to clean it out and then suddenly let the light in. It was like it was a completely different room than what we'd ever yeah. seen you guys before in the last that two years. It was a cave. It was seriously it was a, cave. a cave. Yeah. Um, but other than that, how has your week been? We're still in lockdown. Still in lockdown. We've got another month to go, basically. But the end is in sight. Literally, it's, it's almost exactly a month, right? I think it should be about a month. Yeah, hopefully a month. They're going to open up when we get to 70% double-dose vaccinations. We are, I'm, I'm double-dosed. You're still one, right? I'm, I'm a week away. Exactly one week I'll be double-dosed. When you actually see the next episode of Watch Time, I will probably have my double vaccine. So exciting. Which is very exciting. And we were literally talking about um, the fact that we need to make some serious, like, dinner reservations ASAP. Yeah, everyone I know is, like, booking everything they can for the week where things are supposed to open up, and I cannot yeah. wait. Yeah, yeah, especially because it's coming into summer and, like, the Christmas mm. season. I think we need to be making bookings for, like, now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and boats for the Click Christmas party. Yeah. Which I can't wait to go and no, Emma. We're literally just saying that um, when the time comes, when things open up, like, we are yes men only. Yes. Like, the word no is not in my vocabulary. Boat party? Yes. Actually, this might be the one year I don't oh! have to fight you and Emma over having <laughs> a boat party. Be. It might be. Um, but yeah, so basically this week's been pretty hectic, obviously, because we've had the brand new Fortnite Season 8 drop. Yeah. Um, which dropped to very mixed reactions. Yeah, so debrief me because I've been working, I feel like I've, this has like been the least engaged I've been in a new season and event. Well, I feel like people are just consistently underestimating, uh, or, or not understanding Epic's new style to doing Fortnite seasons. Right. So new Fortnite seasons used to happen where... Um, the season launches, there's a giant new map change, like a yeah. whole quarter of the map is completely different. Um, and then you kind of play with that same map change for the whole season. Maybe there's some small stuff that happens, but that's pretty much it. 
These days, what they seem to be doing, and they've done this for the past, basically since chapter two, season four, I think they pretty much had this as their strategy, um, or chapter two, season three even, uh, where they they launch the new season and then they continually make changes throughout the season to evolve the map along right. with the story. So, um, but And why do you think they've changed and they're doing that approach now? Because I think they've realised that people get bored really quickly with change. People need... It's better to have medium change happening continually over a full season rather yeah. than giant change happening at the start because then people are like, oh, wow, and they go explore the new POI for the first week and they're like, oh... Okay. Done. Done. Bye. Yeah. Um, and then they all they all tap out. So now they're doing constant constant evolution. But the problem is, people are still in that mindset where they expect giant change at the start of the season. So the new season launches, and there's like changes, but nothing like totally crazy. And everyone's like, "Oh, Epic doesn't do anything anymore. They've abandoned Fortnite." And it's just like, no. I, I actually I have full faith in their ability, and I'm excited. Although playing in the first week of a new season sucks because everyone is just so sweaty. Yeah. I haven't won a game yet. Oh, shit. I have not won a single game of Maybe Fortnite. Maybe you're just getting old, dude. Lockie has won a single game. We, oh. we, were both, we were both in our chat yesterday just talking. We're like, it's, it's nuts. So does that... Plastered? Sorry, plastered's not the right word. That's drunk. You make, the, you make the fact that you're just getting completely destroyed. Yeah. Nonetheless. Exactly. exactly. And do you feel like how... Like, do you feel like you can still see it all fading into this metaverse thing that they're going for? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily say this season has, like, a bunch of big, like, oh, this is the metaverse cues about it. Yeah. Um, I think they're... But, but I think they're good. Like, it was... I think I've said this a few podcasts in a row. They're starting to be more subtle with it and less in your face. They're making it less like, this is the metaverse, you will accept it, and more yeah. kind of like building that into the content that's happening. Yeah. So there was like, I feel like when they felt like they were forcing it was like the Marvel season. Right. Where they're like, this is Marvel. Marvel is in Fortnite. Shut up and accept it. Yeah. Versus now, it's kind of like, no, 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 the whole Fortnite narrative is still a thing. And like, oh, look, Batman's also here. Mm. Like, that's kind of, that's kind of the way they're going, which I think is smart. You know who's blowing up? Ozzy. Yeah. On the new season. Yeah. Like, he is just absolutely yeah. blowing it out of the park. No, he is completely killing it. His, the engagement, so Ozzy, who's one of the talent that we manage, uh, if you're not aware, he, um... He just signed to Energy, which is obviously an amazing org run by um, Andy Miller. Dude, who is... Energy is killing it right now. Yeah, I agree. I was chatting, I was chatting to Lockie about this the other day, and and I was saying how much I think they're doing a good job. Um, Did he agree? Uh, I, th I think he kind of agrees. I think he thinks that uh, we actually had a really interesting debate about orgs, Lockie yeah. and I, about who we think is doing it right and who we think is doing it wrong. And I think the thing that we both agreed on is there's definitely a number of like, a bit lost. Yeah. Like, which which I can really understand right now, where they're just kind of signing players. But I think that uh, I was talking, you know, for example, I think a good example is I was saying I really liked what Lockie was doing with Team Power because he really felt like he was forging, like, a bit more of a community direction with Power. Yeah. Like, obviously, they're operating at such a smaller scale compared to all these other big orgs. They can't be, like, trying to buy out the best CSGO team or the best Valorant team or the best League of Legends team to yeah. win big World Cups and build their brand that way. 
So they're kind of, you know, investing in the creative stuff and getting maps made and really kind of building up a more kind of grassroots community thing, which I told them I I thought that was really, really smart. Mm. But I think energy, I I don't know. Don't get me wrong. I don't think right now that really actually any org is knocking it out of the park. I feel like there was a moment where everyone felt like 100 Thieves was. Yes. And now I'm kind of like, hmm. I don't know. I feel like that was like a bit of a, a hype bubble. So why do you say that? Because they just won, um, what was it? Yeah, but any org can win anything and it fluctuates every year because players yeah. keep moving between orgs. Like, So why do you think the 100 Thieves thing is a bubble then? Well, because there was all that hype for a while where they were dropping like merch that everyone was buying. Don't yeah. get me wrong, their merch still does pretty well, but I don't think it's like the hot topic anymore. Yeah. Drake, there was like the stories about like, oh, Drake yeah. just invested. And then and then you're like, okay, you don't know where it's going, but you felt like they were doing something that was going to be really redefining like the way an org is run. And now if you look at their YouTube content, does all right, doesn't do great. It's like 100,000 views a video. Um, and, and then in terms of like, I don't know. It, it still just always comes back to this same thing with me and esports orgs. I don't understand the end game. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think a lot of orgs understand the end game. I think right now they're kind of like, there's value here. We're, we're going to build and be first movers. But I don't think anyone's quite figured out what they're building to. Yeah. Yet. There's no. What do you think about FaZe? Like, how does how does that comparison org to you? Because on an interview, um, he described FaZe. I believe, as, like, the Nike of the gaming world. No. Which is a little... Nike's too, pre- Nike's, Nike's too premium and, again, everything in esports feels messy. That's the thing. Mm. If you're... Say you're, like, a football club, right? I love that. This was not a topic we meant to go into today. But, but now we're But now we're here and I'm actually kind of interested. Yeah. Um, so, uh, also, I'm getting a haircut today. So, very excited. <laughs> if, if you're watching the video, you're seeing me constantly brush my hair back because it keeps going in my face. Um, but, yeah. So, my thing is, if you look at, like, say, like, a Liverpool or one of the big, like, footy clubs over in the UK, they are... We play football. This is our lineup. You are our fan base. This is what we're building. And it's just so clear, directed, like, and and straightforward. Mm-hmm. If you look at esports right now, it's like, oh, we've we got we got some Fortnite players, and then we've also got Valorant players and League of Legends players, and we just started a house, but also we're going to the World Cup for this game. And there's no And we're selling merch. And we're selling merch. And we have some NFTs. And also we have NFTs. And we're partnering <laughs> with this guy. And also we have like a hype house. And then we've also signed to these people who aren't gamers, but they're just lifestyle people, but they're part of the brand. And we're teaming up with this musician. Like yeah. it's just it's just everything. Versus like if you look at the really good like sporting clubs, they're like, we play this game. We're very good at playing this game. And we are here to play the game well, service our fans, and build brand around this core. And I don't, and I think the real problem with esports orgs right now, they don't have their core. Yeah. I I don't, it feels like a mess. This is a really actually interesting progression, I think, of esports as an industry, because I think, you know, there was a few years ago where we would have probably said that esports orgs were trying too much to be like traditional sports orgs and that was a limiting factor for them and now it feels like it was almost like okay how can we make gaming into a traditional sport and people were really trying to make like a circle fit into a square peg or whatever 
now I feel like it's progressed and it's less of like a circle trying to fit in a square peg and people understand it's more about the brand rather than like just in some ways it's like if you take a step back, what actually is an org? Yeah. Like what do they stand for? Who are they appealing to? Why do people feel like they care about particular orgs? Like it's really interesting because I feel like we're very, we're like pretty in deep in gaming and yet I don't really know, and you know, and I also recognise we're in kind of a different spot, but I don't really know anyone that's like, oh, 100 Thieves is my team, yeah. you know? I don't yeah. know if anyone's, like, got that alignment yet. No. I, I, and it's obviously still... early days, but mm, um... I think, yeah, I think it's, um, I, I think maybe it's a function of the fact of the industry as a whole that it is so fast moving and a lot of the stuff that orgs are doing now either couldn't have happened or was just, like, not even on the radar mm. a couple of years ago, really. Yeah. Um, but, but I do agree. Yeah. And I actually don't even now know how we got onto this topic or what the initial question was. Yeah, I think I was <laughs> oh, talking I think it was some, like what orgs are doing well and what some orgs nonsense aren't doing about well. me chatting to Lockie about what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. I, I think ultimately the real the real question for me is what is the end game? And I think that there was a there was a point there um, where and and this is another thing I was talking to Lockie about is there was a point there where brands really wanted to be seen as interacting with gaming and invested with gaming. Yeah. And I still and I still think they do. But I also think they're starting to realise that um, they're not getting the value that they thought they were going to get. Like, you look at the Overwatch League, for example, right? Oh. The Overwatch League managed to get so many sponsors because... And again, this is what I was saying to Lockie. It just feels like it's who you know, not actually the value of your core product. Mm. So the Overwatch League had, you know, all the billionaires behind it, all the really rich traditional sporting team owners behind yeah. it. And because of that, they were pulling these crazy sponsorships with like big car companies and all these things that just the value of that sponsorship did not align with the viewership that they were producing. Mm. And we've already talked in the past how a lot of their viewership was fake. It was just paid advertisements and sidebars on websites. Yeah. Um, and I think you can kind of see that a lot of orgs, I, I think there's actually evidence that a lot of orgs are maybe a little bit confused right now where they're going. And they're the kind of, they're the kind of orgs where you could like go onto their YouTube and, you know, they're posting about like they're pro players one day and then they've got content creators the next and then they've got like game highlights one video and then they've got a house tour the next video. Yeah. And it's like... Where are you Who going? Are you? <laughs> Different things. Yeah. But I don't, and and it really, it just feels like, you know what it is? This is, I, I don't know. I feel like this analogy might hit for some of you and some of you might be like, Elliot, shut up. Like, what are you talking about? It's like when I go into a restaurant and, mm. and, 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 and the sign of a good restaurant that's really got its stuff together is they pull out the menu. It's got five to 10 items on it. Yeah, like, I love this that. Is, this is it. These, this is They're what like, we do. This is what we do. And we do it really fucking well. Yeah. Meanwhile, when I walk into a restaurant and they hand me like a book mm. that I have to the like plastic the sheets. plasticky sheets with like <laughs> with multiple photos. pages. <laughs> and they're like, and they're kind of like, oh, you know, like this is like the we do these well, yeah. but then there's also all this. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow, okay. It just feels kind of like you don't really have a direction. You don't really know what your thing is, and you're just throwing as much stuff out there to see what lands and what hits. Now, um, that is not also, just to, like, play devils again, um, not always a bad thing, and I think, like, we're in an industry that's very new, and and all these orgs, like, to give them 
fucking credit where credit's due, are experimenting. Like most of them are really like they're experimenting and they are trying to see what sticks. And there's an element of that that's necessary because it's all new. Um, And I think, and that's where I would say that I think energy has done actually an exceptional job because they came in and Andy like had not come from a gaming background, the CEO of energy. And I think like he has put, I will give absolute credit to the team he has on energy. I think the people there are brilliant. And like Grady, the guy that's running their content, like he, he gets it, you know, he's like super smart. He's super engaged. Um, And I think they are trying things and that's, part of what is going to be necessary. Um, But I agree. I think that, like, esports orgs in general, I'm just, like, really curious to watch where they go over the next five years and, like, see how this develops. And I I do think it's a product of the fact that the industry is very new and um, that over time these things will, like, solidify a little bit more to more of an idea of, of them figuring out who they are. I, I just, I do think, and this is, and don't get me wrong, everyone here knows I love gaming and I, I want gaming to be as big as it can be in the world. That, that's not a question. Mm. My, here's my fundamental issue that I think needs to get solved when it comes to uh, esports and gaming in general. Mm. If you, uh, if you go to a soccer fan, right, mm-hmm. and you, and like over in the UK, say a 50-year-old soccer fan, when did you start watching soccer? when I was four years old on my dad's lap. Who, who did you support? Liverpool. My dad supported Liverpool. Yeah. I grew up in this area. This is my team. These are my people. I'm, I'm with them forever. They build such an intense, lifelong relationship with their fans. Mm-hmm. My concern with esports is if you go to someone and say, hey, what game did you play when you're five? What game did you play when you're seven, eight, ten? What game did you play a year ago versus what game do you play now? Yeah. It's always in flux. Like me, for example, in the space of my six-year YouTube career, far out, probably seven years now, maybe eight? No, far out. Yeah. Seven. Seven? Seven. You were 19, no? Nah, seven. Seven years. I was 20. Guys, Elliot's about to turn 27. Yeah, far out. Um, I'm not old. I'm young. I'm still spirited. Uh, But uh, if you look at me, just my seven-year YouTube career, I have played... Like uh, in those, I've had three big core games as well as a bunch of others that I've been invested in. And then in terms of me personally being what I'm actually caring about, there are ones I don't play on YouTube like Dota. So in those seven years, I've had four games. That's less than two years average per game. So true. Which if you really just think about that in terms of like from an org's perspective, they're no longer like, okay, when we're looking at the gaming audience, we're just going to be the biggest and the best for this game. And then yeah. that will bring in all the fans. They have to kind of do this whole spread thing because like, oh my God, like we can't just be like- We can't bet on one game. because We can't bet on one hot. game. Yeah, because A, most gamers aren't with one game. And also most gamers, like we, could, we can invest millions of dollars in building a team and mm. having the best Fortnite team in the world. But then- all of a sudden, we might build up all these fans because of that. And then they're like, oh, we're bored of Fortnite now. We play yeah. this game. And if we don't have a team for that game that is equally good and equally fronting it, it is... That's what I think. I think it's like for the people, for, for you guys, like watching and listening, like we're not criticizing because we think these people are doing a bad job. I think it's like actually it's, it's there's a, very a huge hard problem to solve. problem. Yeah. yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. It's a challenge. I, yeah. And I don't think we're the first people to recognize this problem by any means. And that's why I think you see the spread in how orgs operate because I think a lot of people look at this problem and they're just like, 
what do we do? Like, how do we tackle it? Yeah. Like they they don't they don't know. They know there's value in the gaming industry. They know there's value in building brands and social brands, especially for the gaming industry. But I just don't think people have figured out how to create a brand that really sticks, mm. that really holds people in and keeps them regardless of what the title is. I agree. And the more I think about it and the more we th- we talk about things like orgs and we talk about creators and we talk about platform deals and, like, how much value is going into platform deals versus, like, um, you know, some platforms are straying away from platform deals and then management and I don't know. I just feel as though the games industry at some point over the next I think like two to three years is going to go through another like quite significant metamorphosis, I yep. think. Um, and I think that happened, I think that really happened in like a 2018 period where Fortnite um, was launched. And I think the launch of Fortnite really created a new kind of um, casual gamer that didn't exist before. And I think it hit pop culture in a way that gaming really hadn't. And gaming became like a buzzword, you know, in the same way that I feel like we keep hearing like metaverse right now as a buzzword or NFT as a buzzword. But I think it's like too early to actually know what is that going to kind of set when the dust settles, what does that look like? And I think, um, yeah, like right now there's a new phase of like creators. There's a new phase of like, what do management companies do? You know, that's something we've spoken about. Like, what are they? What are they? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Not, um, what are these orgs? What are they not? What is Fortnite? Is it a game? Is it not a game? Like, I don't know. I just feel like over the next two or three years, there'll be quite a lot of quite significant changes in terms of what does the industry actually present as, like, what are the different people and who are what's happening at different points in the value chain? Yeah, definitely. Interesting. Dude, Very that interesting. Was a good topic. That was a good topic that we, that we did, did not, not mean did not mean to go into. We talked before. We're like, okay, this is what we're going to go into. What do you think? That was not on there. What do you think Lockie wants to do with power? I I don't know. I I and I've I've talked to him about it, but but I I, I mean, don't get me wrong, and I I could be so wrong here. I, I do think there's probably a, a small element of still figuring that out as you go. I mean, at the end of the day, I I think that everyone in esports kind of acknowledges they don't fully know where it's going. Um, I also think you need to be figuring it out as you go to an extent because I think gaming is still so, it moves so fast that if you have some sort of like Like um, laser-focused end goal, you're going to miss you're gonna miss it, and I and I remember um, people used to ask me like with my YouTube channel like oh so exactly what are you gonna be doing like what's your two year plan I'm like I don't know I'll tell you next yeah. month <laughs> like I'll tell you the next month plan but I can't tell you a two year plan and honestly yeah. the next month plan might change because if it, if Fall Guys for example drops and you don't jump on it real quick like then you're losing out so um, yeah I think ultimately the yeah the where the game is gonna go where the industry is gonna go 
I don't know. I would love, I don't know, maybe we can ask Lockie if he wants to come on the podcast and talk about power because that could be super interesting. Yeah. Um, because I, I think I think what I like about what Lockie's done, though, with power um, up till now is they've 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 gone focused they've gone small but they've done very high quality mm, i see a lot of, i agree i see a lot of orgs go in and they just try and they're like oh we're gonna have everything and they've got a bunch of crap players in each game they're like oh we spent a lot of money on that so they don't have any money to spend on branding what what Lockie's done is he's really focused on fortnite he's got a very good smaller number of players for fortnite and he's also invested a bunch in quality The maps they make are very, very good. The branding and all the graphics that they get made for their content are very, very good. All of that is just high quality. Mm. And I think that it's literally talking about like the restaurant menu, better to figure out what your, where to play and where your area is, Mm. go in hard and go in value on that. And then, um, and then kind of go from there. Because honestly, it takes discipline. Like it takes discipline to not be like, oh, I'm, feeling a lot of pressure, I'm comparing myself to these really big orgs, I'm going to try everything, you know? Like, it takes discipline to be like, actually, that's not our play. Yeah. This is our play. 100%. And I think if you look at uh, all the different um, orgs in the world and ones that are operating, I reckon if you were to look at the engagement that uh, Lockie's getting with power relative to the overall size of the team that he's got and, like, the expenses they're running... I reckon it would be one of the best ratios of any team out there. Yeah. They've got yeah. Epic. Good topic. Love it. Yes. Love that for us. Okay. So you showed me a little video before we started the podcast of a woman in her car and oh, she forgot yeah. to hit stop record. Yeah. Well, she forgot to edit this part out of the video. So definitely. give us a little backstory on that. So a lot of you guys probably already heard about this story uh, and it, 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 it's it's not so much I think we don't necessarily want to deep dive on this in, in general. Sorry, this one story specifically, but more want to speak like just generally to the topic. So effectively, there was a video that came out a few days ago now where there was a woman who runs a channel. It's kind of about her, but also kind of about her and her kid and her family. And um, I believe it's just her, her son and their dog, I, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, now, the dog very sadly got sick and they'd just been to the vet to kind of get him looked at. Um, and when they got back to the car and she was vlogging this whole experience, when they got back to the car, the kid was crying and the mum was crying and then uh, goes to basically say, uh, you know, thanks for watching, guys. We'll, you know, we'll keep, we'll let you know how it goes. And like goes to cut off the camera, but forgot to kind of cut the video there because then goes on to kind of get her kid and be like, okay, come in. Now look really sad for the camera. Yeah. And like pose. Yep. Okay. Good. Now. Okay. Yeah. Now turn and look at me and like cover your mouth. Like you're crying. And the kid's like, genuinely, you can tell. The kid's crying. The kid's like, mom, I'm crying. Yeah. And she's like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just put your hand over your mouth. Yeah. The kid's like, no mom, like I'm, I'm actually really sad right now. This kid's probably seven or eight. Um, and and the mom's like, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Now look at me while you do it. And it's basically like fully just using the kid's grief to very much just get, get the, a good get thumbnail the that they want. And it was difficult to watch. And it wasn't like full, like I and I and I hate to say this, I hate that this isn't the worst that I've seen. It's very hard to watch, and it's it's messed up that I'm like, well, at least she wasn't like you know, deliberately trying to, like, make him cry when he wasn't already. Because I've seen videos of that online. But um, the point being, what we wanted to kind of go into, 
is this whole topic of like family channels mm. and including and and because they are so successful the volume of channels that go into kind of giving an inside view into family life and what's happening with families and you know what the kids are up to and what's going on and their day-to-day life yeah. i think is um really quite interesting and i think morally raises some very interesting questions as well. Yeah, and you guys know, like, the big family channels that have, you know, been there from the start. And what was the guy, what was the original guy's um, family channel? And it came out that he'd, like, cheated on his wife with a prostitute or something. No, they're still still a huge thing. No, they took, like, two years off, though. Yeah, they're definitely still a thing now, though. Yeah. Yeah. it's not. I, I'm. I'm forgetting, but I think most people will know who you're talking about. Um, they, he's had a bunch of drama recently as well around oh, like potentially gosh. like having to like sell his house and going bankrupt and not paying people for a boxing fight. Long story short, I think there are some really interesting moral and ethical questions totally. around getting your child. And it's not so much about the concept of uh, like exploiting your child for views, um, but it's more just around the concept of not giving them a normal childhood because their childhood is a TV show. It's not like having a child... It's not like, for example, um, you know, Ryan's Toy Reviews. There are a lot of channels out there that have kids in them where the kid is in content. But that content is effectively like uh, a movie set or any other child actor that could have been in a Disney show. They're turning it on and they're turning it off. You're not seeing Ryan's Toy Reviews get bedtime stories. It's not like, oh, we're looking at Ryan's exam results today and you're really putting their personal life in the spotlight. Yes. And I think some some great examples are exactly that. For example, parents getting their kids uh, yearly test results Mm -hmm. and then opening it with them in front of a camera and basically... uh, like exposing whatever they did to not only the parent and everyone knows showing your parents exam results is freaking terrifying and then expanding that out to putting it on the internet and opening up to all that hate and and then on top of that the parent is not going to react in a way that is like I'm trying to be the best parent possible here and develop their child I'm trying to create content every single part of their lifestyle and what they do and and yet they do so well. They do so well. The family channels, they goddamn pull in pain. And I think it's, um, I just think I would love to know, like, how the arrangements work as well with these yeah. kids, you know, and parents. And for these channels where, you know, it's kids' lives on show and it's a family channel, like, absolutely having children is, like, part of what is getting the views. Yeah. Is, like... Are these kids getting paid? Are they being, how are they distributing the money? You know, like these channels are in many large cases likely raking in millions Millions. to tens of millions of dollars a year. And it's like when you're asking your child to like do a sponsored video and they're in the sponsored video, like is the child having money set aside for them for the future? Or is it like, no, this is just something that we're doing as a family and like the parents are taking all the money and like at what point, if the kid's like, I'm really not in the mood today yeah. or, you know, at what point when these kids grow up and they realise their 
parents have made millions of dollars exploiting their childhood, are they mm. like, hey, hang on, I think... <laughs> Wait, uh, <laughs> you know that emotional trauma that you caused me? Yeah, I need some of that money for the therapy sessions that I'm now paying for three times a week. I just think, like, there's some really interesting, like... Moral questions. Moral dilemmas that you get into, and, I, and it's like... And I hate yeah. to say it, but I think that in a lot of cases, and this is by no means... A, a full uh, inclusion on anyone who puts their kid in content. Because I do think there are some really good examples where people do it right. But I think there is a disturbing number of people where... Because uh, obviously if you're a parent, your child should, almost without question, be your number one priority. I, Raising that child... I would say... Making sure that... Without question. Yeah. Making sure that child is raised properly and doing everything you can to kind of give them the best chance in life. However... There is definitely a number of people where the views and the content is their priority above the well-being yeah. of their child. Case like in point, video. case in point, my child is in distress and they are crying, but my priority right now is the thumbnail. That is unhealthy and that shouldn't happen. Um, now, there are some very like good outcomes that can come from it. For example, uh, and and this isn't to say that everything uh, that they've ever done is totally perfect. But you know the Norris Nuts? Yeah. So they're a, they're a group of, uh, they're kind of like a family channel that's within Australia. I've got a more, slightly more lifestyle channel. Do we do? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we'll go from my God. These children, uh, I, I think they were Exceptional. between the ages of five or six, all the way up to, I think, 11 or 12 yeah. was the oldest one. And I met them at a YouTube event and I could have been talking to, they, they had more uh, emotional sense and logic and, and smarts and everything so than most people I know in their 20s, myself included. They were so articulate. They were so organized. I was, because obviously the idea of kids doing content was something super interesting to me. And they were like, yeah, yeah. So we edit all our own videos. We do all the content ourselves. I was like, right. It's so like, how does that work? Like, how do you keep up with it? They're like, well, mom and dad are super strict. Like, you know, we go to school, we have to get everything done, like all our homework done first. And then as a reward, when we get our homework done, we're allowed to film videos. Mm. And they were going into like how they were analyzing thumbnails and video performance and cross-referencing that with other things to determine what things would perform yeah. well on YouTube. And that is genuinely incredibly good, like, growth Stuff. Oh, it's yeah. not like it. They were engaged. They were engaged. Highly engaged. And they were learning like a vast amount of like things that you normally wouldn't get to learn until you were much, much 100%. older. 100%. There are healthy ways to do it. They were the most impressive children I've ever met. Yeah. I would say. They were just so articulate. They're the kids, you know, like, you know when kids meet adults and, like, this is so normal because they're kids. You meet an adult that you don't know very well and it's, like, hard to keep eye contact, you know? It's, like, you get a little bit nervous, you get a little bit whatever. Yeah. These kids, like, were walked up to Elliot, like, shook his hand, looked straight in the eye and were like, what's your thumbnail strategy? Yeah. And it was, like... <laughs> <laughs> how, you do you, how, do you how do you reconcile viewership engagement with click-through rate? And was, I'm like, what? <laughs> it was, they were so wildly impressive. And I know other people that know them that have reiterated the same yeah. anecdotes. I know we didn't have a one-off experience. They were truly like 
exceptional children to the point that I was almost intimidated, to be yeah, frank. Yeah, I'm, I'm scared of them now. I, I avoid them at all costs. <laughs> they were amazing. But Maybe uh, we should get one of them on our podcast. Um, but effectively, that is kind of, I, I guess the question I'd like to put back on you guys, if you want to leave some comments down below, is do you think that it, like putting children in YouTube content and putting their lives on spotlight, is that always a bad thing? Can it be a positive thing? Are the vast majority of cases negative? Are there good lessons? Basically, what do you think the pros and the cons are? And do you think it should be a kind of area of content that YouTube moderates more heavily? Because yeah. I definitely think there are some cases where there might almost be a case for YouTube to actually start putting in community guidelines, regulating that a bit more. And I think um, kind of attached to that, which sort of brings us to the next thing that we were going to talk about is um, the D'Amelios. So you guys know the D'Amelios. It would be hard not to right now. Charlie D'Amelio, biggest TikTok account in the world. Um, her family is all massive on TikTok. Um, Dixie D'Amelio, her sister, has an incredibly high-performing channel on YouTube. They are like they've taken it to the mainstream. Yeah. And their um, their reality TV show has recently... Re oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Just cut that bit. Um, that they're positioning themselves to be, you know, the next Kardashians. And I have seen quite a number of clips from the show now and I thought it was really, really interesting, the approach that they've taken. And I actually thought you know, it was done really well. And I think the approach they've taken is really to break that fourth wall with the audience and provide people like a massive insight into the weight of expectation and pressure yeah. that is on these like really very young girls. Um, both of them are still underage. I think Charlie's like 17 and Dixie's like 20 or something. Like yeah. they're young girls and just really like it was very, very honest in terms of seeing them upset, seeing them, you know, struggling with the fact that people were taking photos of them coming back from the gym saying that they look bad, struggling with the weight of expectation of negative comments and that sort of thing. And I just thought, you know, kind of in that way, it was really interesting to see that the way that yeah. thing. Yeah. And But what I thought was also more interesting is the announcement over the last few days that uh, Netflix is signing more deals for more content with them. And then with Addison Ray, sorry, with Addison Ray on her movie. So you've got the Dixie, you've got the D'Amelio one launching. You got Addison Ray signing for future movies with Netflix after the previous movie we discussed in the last episode yes. that launched. And then you've got David Dobrik signing on for a series with the Discovery Channel. Yeah. Which we, and I don't want to say we told you so, but we told you so. Yeah. That nobody but, cares about the quality of Addison's acting. They care about care the about views. That. No. Netflix don't care about you, that. She would have negotiated a way higher rate for the oh second movie. And Netflix God. said, yes, ma'am, we will absolutely sign that on because 100%. you know how many eyeballs we got. And because effectively what you've got with these social media creators, it's just, it's a self-operating marketing machine. Mm -hmm. With most movies and most TV shows, they get filmed, they get produced, but like a vast, I don't know whether or not you'd say it's the majority. It certainly is with some films. Yeah. The marketing costs and the marketing budget that is allocated to most movies, a lot of the time can rival the actual budget of producing the movie itself. Absolutely. It's like what we've said with thumbnails and titles in YouTube videos before. You can create the greatest piece of content of all time, but if no one clicks it, if no one knows it exists, it doesn't matter. And that's the same with movies. People can make a great movie, but they have to invest in marketing because otherwise no one ever knows it exists. No one goes and sees it. Yeah. So 
the advantage of working with these influencers is they are their own marketing machine with an access to not only get eyeballs, but dedicated eyeballs. Dude, now you got me thinking about the contract structure because I'm thinking like when she originally signed for the first movie, did she sign a deal with Netflix where it was just for that movie or did she sign a deal with Netflix where it was like, we're signing you for a potential of like three movies, for instance, and like after the first one releases, we have the option as to whether or not we want to exercise the next two movies, mm. in which case, good for them, great they structured it like that, or was it just for the first movie, in which case now she's in such a stronger negotiating position to just absolutely blow that out of the park? I think from what I heard, it was a negotiation for the next one. So I reckon she would have, and 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 also that's why I think she would have been. Put, you know who's um her agents though now? Who? Joe and Justin. Oh really? Yeah. Do you want to give context on that? Oh yes. <laughs> hey guys, sorry I forgot. I'm not just here having a conversation. Um, we know the two her two managers that are working for her now, Elliot and uh, Lannan used to work with them at WME. Yeah. Um, and they're now working for Addison exclusively, which honestly, like. Good on you, she's keeping you busy. I, I, yeah, I, I've, had, I've got some good memories with Joe and Justin. My main my main one being, I think the first time I met them, because it was at E3, oh, at which we've talked about E3 before, it is a lot of hangovers and a lot of parties. <laughs> and I literally think my first ever meeting with them was at like 9am in the morning and I was Dude. half a human being dragging myself into a cafe to get a coffee with them. I think everyone, like they'd been at the same party the night before and everyone was just like, orange juice? Like, yeah, orange, orange juice. juice like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, effectively, I think it's super interesting. And this really does seem like almost a, a, a whole strategy shift from a lot of these yeah. platforms. Because you've seen in the past, and we've seen a lot of examples of like, it used to be the news like, oh, YouTube's doing a YouTube movie with Logan Paul. Yes. But this is one of the first, and it really does feel like it's come in like, you know, when it rains, it pours. It's really started to ramp up hugely in the last few months mm -hmm. of big mainstream online content platforms distributing like and signing these big creators. Yeah. And I, I really genuinely think that people are realizing that quality is not net. Like, don't be wrong. There's still room for quality. <laughs> it is not quality over it, quantity. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> but like literally TikTok embodies that. It's yeah. not quality over quantity. It is quantity that ultimately is going to win. And at the end of the day, if you've got yeah. fans that are invested in a person and they're going to watch it, that's all they care about. I mean, I think ideally both, but we are just in like a content war right now and it's all about who can Pull the find themselves the most eyeballs. Yep. And exactly. let me tell you, the TikTokers. They got the some eyeballs. These days, they got some eyeballs. About 100 million. A lot of them. But I think that's uh, that's going to wrap us up for today, guys. Yeah, tell that was us. a fun episode. I felt episode. like when I we started, I was like, I was like, oh, this feels weird. I'm not used yeah. to looking at you in this direction. Um, but I actually felt like we really got into it. And so hopefully you can forgive us. I'm sorry we don't have the brick wall. Yeah. But leave us a comment. We'd love to have lots of good opinion topics. So Definitely. I'm keen to read them. Until next time. Blah, 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 blah.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.